So for the last few weeks, we have been talking about, reflecting on the Psalms and Scripture and listening as we talk about faith when things are difficult, when life is difficult. If you remember last week, we talked about Psalm 2, or sorry, Psalm 5. And we talked about the difficulty of waiting on God. When, when things start to go wrong, how we feel like we are out of control as we start to lose things. We feel loss and grief and we can't do anything to fix it or to make it right. And we talked about how Psalm 5, the psalmist encourages us, leads us into praying, laying everything out in front of God and waiting for him to respond. How difficult that can be, but how, faith, how much that can build our faith in Christ as we watch for him to respond. And then the week before that, we talked some about the, the way that God works in difficult things. We talked about the man who was born blind and the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why was he born blind? You know, was it for his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus said, neither. But so that the works of God could be revealed through him and in him. And we talked some about the works of God and what that looks like in our lives. Sometimes when things are going wrong, God miraculously fix it, fixes it. But sometimes God miraculously leads us through difficulty and makes us more faithful for having gone through it. So we've been talking about these two things, or these, these ways that God is at work when life is difficult. But I've been thinking some too, I've been reading, like I mentioned last week, Tracy and I have been reading through the Psalms um, as she's been going through chemo. And reading through the Psalms, realizing that it's, a, it's amazing as you read through them how they lead you into these different parts or different experiences of grief and loss or just of life in general. Because you read the Psalms and you can read the parts where the psalmist cries out to God because their heart is broken or they're confused. Lord, where are you in this? As you read through the Psalms, there's so many Psalms that speak to that, that help us in that. And I I don't totally understand why, but just hearing someone else, especially the Word of God, speak to that is soothing to our soul. But as much as I'm grateful for the ways the Psalms put voice to the pain or the loss that we feel, I'm also grateful because of how broad and how varied the Psalms are. I mean, you can read Psalms of, of praise to God. You can read Psalms of, of God's kingdom. You can read Psalms that, that cry out to God, and you can read Psalms that encourage us to be faithful. Even within the same Psalm, you might have one moment where it begins in lament, Oh God, where are you? My heart is broken. And ends in praise of God. Lord, I give glory to you because you are the highest king of all. It's amazing the breadth of Psalms. But it's interesting too. Psalms have this breadth and how they lead us and how we struggle sometimes. We struggle with life when it's difficult. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about when you're struggling with life when it's hard and all you want to do is just curl up and stare out the window when you're discouraged maybe even struggling with depression and you feel like life is shrinking when you're going through difficult things it feels like life shrinks right down to just your life and sometimes that can be good Sometimes we get so wrapped up in so many different things that we get spread so thin that we, our lives seem like they're about a mile wide and an inch deep. 
We're pretty shallow people. So sometimes it's good that when we have difficult things, it, it contracts our life a bit. And sometimes it's necessary. Like, for example, like this morning, like Tracy had a, she had a runny nose at the end of this week, and so she's not, she felt like she should not come this morning because she was concerned because she has chemo on Tuesday. Sometimes loss or difficult things, they make our lives small. They, they make it necessary to, to do less. But sometimes when loss comes, we go too far and we let the loss or the grief or the pain, we let it define us. And we get stuck there. Our life shrinks and we get stuck there. I know some of you know what I'm talking about. Like I said, when things go wrong and all you want to do is just stay at home, maybe even just stay in bed. And then those times when you hear the Spirit, the Holy Spirit saying, putting someone on your mind, someone else who needs help, and He says, go and help them. Go and bring them a meal or go or give them a call and encourage them. And we think, Lord, if you knew the burden I was bearing, if you knew all these things, God, that I was carrying, I don't know how I can help. I don't know if I can even get out of my house to go help them. And yet the Lord God gives us strength. And it's amazing how God uses that to be a blessing to people. He uses our faithfulness even when we feel like, Lord God, please ask anyone else but me. He uses our faithfulness to be a blessing to others. So I'm grateful for the Psalms. That's one of the reasons why I'm grateful for Psalm 2 as well. If you would, open up your Bibles to Psalm 2. Or if you'd like to, you can also read it on this white sheet here in your bulletins. Like I mentioned, Tracy and I, we started reading Psalms after... uh, after her chemo started. And I came to Psalm 2 on the second day, and I didn't feel like reading Psalm 2, honestly. I felt more like reading Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from me? I lift my cries to you, but why are you not answering? But God still (laughs) led me to Psalm 2, and I'm grateful for it. Even in that day, I was grateful for it because it reminded me of how big God's story is. So listen to Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Anointed one, that's Messiah, Christ. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven laughs The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you be destroyed in your way. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. So as I was reading this psalm, I was grateful. I was grateful because it reminded me of the bigger story of God. 
despite the things that Tracy and I were going through, the struggles that we were having, it reminded me of God's bigger story. The bigger story that God is sovereign. That our Father in Heaven is Lord over all creation. He is the great Creator. But not only that, but He had made His Son, Jesus, our Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. It reminded me that we have a part in His larger story. That even when things are difficult in our lives, God's story is still great and bigger than us, and we still have a part in it. Before we get too far, though, I need to make just a couple of connections. The first is that this psalm, scholars, as they look at this psalm, they often talk about it as a coronation psalm or a psalm that the people of Israel would sing when a new king was crowned. But it didn't take too long for the early Christians and Christians ever since to see this psalm speaking of Jesus. As I mentioned in there, it says uh, at verse uh, 2, they gather against the Lord and against his anointed one. In, in Hebrew, it's actually gathering against his Mashiach or his Messiah, his Christ. And the words that, that God speaks in this psalm, he says, you are my son, today I have become your father. And since the beginning, Christians have heard those words echoed when Jesus was baptized. Linda, I heard you mention it this morning when you were praying. When Jesus was baptized and came up out of the water, the voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love, and Him I am so pleased. And scholars and New Testament and Christians have been studying this and realized or recognized that these words come, are the same quote that come out of this psalm, out of Psalm 2. But that's not the only time that God said that. When Jesus was up on the mountain and His face shone bright like the sun and He was transfigured, a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, whom I love. In you, I'm so pleased. And he, said, and he said to the disciples around Jesus, to Peter and John and James, listen to him. I hear this connection that Jesus is this Messiah, this anointed one, this Christ, this Savior. That not only is God recognizing him or installing him as King of kings, Lord of lords, but also as our Savior the one who died on a cross, that we might have life, that we might be forgiven for everything that we've done wrong and against God. That Jesus is this Messiah. But I was grateful that I heard more in this psalm as I was reading it. That's kind of the theological part of it. But the, as I've been reflecting more on Psalm 2, I've been grateful, like I mentioned, of the, the bigger story of God. Because like I said, when things are going wrong, it feels like life shrinks right down to just a few things. Maybe even just our pain and our loss. But I was reminded as I read this, this psalm that God's story continues on. That as big and as, as difficult as our pain might be or our loss might be, it doesn't somehow derail God's story. It doesn't throw God off. His story continues. His larger story continues. The good news that Jesus is risen doesn't change. The good news that Jesus has saved us and made us right with our Father in heaven doesn't change. The good news that Jesus rose again from the dead 
and is seated at God's right hand, that we have hope in life eternal, that good news doesn't change. It doesn't change that Jesus is seated at God's right now, hand right now, interceding for us, King of kings and Lord of lords, advancing his kingdom in this world. That doesn't change because of our, what happens in our lives. And I'm grateful for that. As it feels like our life gets whittled down to less and less, if I remember that God's story continues to be big and we continue to have a part in it, even when things are difficult for us. But I'm grateful that the Holy Spirit didn't leave me there. As I continue reading it throughout the day, as I've been reflecting on it this week, preparing for this morning, I am grateful that Jesus is King, that He is Lord and Savior. But as I was praying these words, as I was reflecting and reading the psalm over and over again, I began to ask, Lord God, what's my part in your story? I feel like I can barely carry my own story, but still, what's my part in your greater story? And it led to some confession on my part. Lord, please forgive me. Forgive me when I've made life all about my kingdom. When my life, when things were good and I totally took you for granted and life was all about, about me and my story. Forgive me, Lord. So not only through the brokenness of my own confession and the brokenness of the pain and the loss as Tracy's begun chemo and hearing the news that we wouldn't be able to go to adopt our son, these things, this brokenness, I feel that God is using that to bless others. And I don't mean to say that that's the purpose of it. I don't even know what the purpose is, but I do trust that God is using my brokenness, our brokenness, to be a blessing to others to help me care for others more deeply, with more compassion. I think something, too, that has been, that I've realized as Tracy and I have been going through this, mainly Tracy, um, but the ways that people have been a blessing to us, despite the things that I know that they're going through. There was a lady who, um, who her, her husband died. And um, I knew that she was still hurting from that. And yet she still called us and said, you know, if you need any help, let me know. I was so grateful for that because I knew her heart was still broken. And yet she was still offering to help us. Many of you, I know the things that are happening in your lives. And yet I still see you show up at our door. So here we made a meal for you or stop us as we've been meeting each other in town or something and say, I've been praying for you. Alongside my own grief, I've been praying for you. God uses that, our brokenness, to be a blessing to others. See, I've realized that when things are good in our lives, good in our lives, try as we might, it's hard for us to relate to people who are suffering. And I, just, I know that from my own experience. When some of you have come and said, you know, my spouse has cancer. And we'll meet together and we'll pray together and try as I might to relate and to be compassionate. I realize in the last few weeks, 
I wasn't even close. When things are good in our lives, it's hard to relate to people when they're struggling. But when our hearts are broken, somehow God immediately uses that. We get it when someone says, my spouse is dying or my spouse has died and I don't know how to handle it. Or my marriage is ending and I can't sleep. We get it. Before I would talk with people and I would pray with them and I genuinely meant it and I was doing the best I could. But even still, because it had been so long since I had really suffered loss, it was hard to connect. Hard for me to really understand what they were going through. And that's not to say that suffering and pain, you know, um, is the only way to understand. I mean, we can still appreciate, we can still empathize. But there's something different. You have this language, this common connection. So now when people say, um, someone in my family has cancer, I can relate to that differently than I ever could before. I can ask them, you know, are you able to sleep? Or at least get back to sleep when you've woken up for the fifth time in the middle of the night. Or I know what it's like when they say, you know, I'm just not hungry. I don't feel like eating. I know what it's like when they say, I've got this knot right here and it won't go away. I know what it's like when they say, you know, it's been difficult and I pray and I don't feel like God was listening and I feel like I'm so distant from Him. But then yesterday, just out of the blue, I felt God's presence and His connection. I know what they're talking about. One of the times when they feel this peace, one of the times when they read scriptures and they say, this has meant so much to me. I understand that better now. I keep praying that as I go through this, that as we go through difficulties in our lives, whether it's something with our parents, maybe it's their death or their illness, maybe it's something in our marriage that's struggling and we are brokenhearted. Maybe it's illness. Maybe it's loss of a job. That as we go through this brokenness, this pain, I pray that as a church, as this church family here, that we continue to grow more faithful. That we continue, that we become deeper people because of our pain. More compassionate for each other. That our lives, even though they feel like when things go badly, we feel like all I can do, I can barely take care of myself. That we would trust God and that we would go beyond that and care for each other. As I can tell you, when we care for each other, it doesn't drain us. It doesn't take the life out of us. It actually uh, grows life in us. I know it feels counterintuitive. When things are difficult, you feel like, I can't do anything extra. But I've seen it the way that it, I've been on the receiving end of it when people have blessed me when they were struggling. But also, too, I've felt it in my own life if I, as I've been there to, um, even the last few weeks, to, to pray with people and to talk with them. I pray that it's encouraging to them, but I know that God is using it to encourage me. Let me just, two examples of what I'm talking about. One is, um, last week, I don't know if you heard about it, but there was... Uh, a woman who, uh, a woman, a newscaster, and her cameraman, they were shot and killed in the U.S. in Virginia. 
And I remember reading that and like I've always felt badly when things like that happen for people. But last week, it wasn't just a news article anymore. I began praying for their families. The, the man, the cameraman, he was engaged to be married. I began praying for his fiance. They aren't just stories. They aren't just magazine articles or news articles. They become real people. I began thinking about their parents. That woman was 24 years old. And all the hopes and dreams that the people around her had, I began praying for them. I wouldn't have done the same a month ago. I would have cared, but nothing like this. As I read Psalm 2, it reminds me that this world is bigger and that God can use our pain, our suffering, to make us more compassionate, to make us more caring, to make us deeper people. The last story, that, or the last example too, was, uh, it was a few weeks ago now, but I was reading um, as an article from Covenant World Relief <clears throat> talking about a woman who, her and her husband lived in Sudan and they were Christians. And in Sudan, for those of you who don't know, there's a horrible war. Muslims and Christians um, killing each other. And and she was, uh, her and her husband were, were Christians trying to escape to Ethiopia, to the refugee camps. And reading her story, she was talking about her and her children. I think she had four children. And her husband, and they were trying to escape. They had been traveling, you know, it seems like for a few weeks already. And, and her husband was shot and killed. And all of, she, she talked about all of her children went around, you know, they fled or they, they, they came to her husband and started wailing and crying. She said she couldn't let them stay there. She had to pull them away and keep them moving so that they wouldn't be killed as well. And talked about how she was traveling and, and making her way to Ethiopia. And then on the way, she gave birth to one, another child and was waiting, waiting there for two weeks to gain her strength to keep moving to the refugee camps. And finally she made it. And her story, the point of, like, the small point of her story was that, was that um, she was thanking the Covenant Church of Sudan for all the help that they had given her now that she was in the refugee camp. And, you know, before I would have read that story and I would have cared for her, but now I read those stories, I'm heartbroken. And she's our sister with her children. Our brother was killed. Her husband. And it makes us more sensitive to the things that are happening in the larger world around us. When things go wrong in our lives, we are tempted to focus on that alone. And sometimes we just get so caught up in what's going wrong in our lives that we fail to see the rest of the world around us, that other people are hurting as well that God might actually use our hurt, might actually use our pain to be a blessing to others. I was grateful for Psalm 2. <clears throat> so I've been reflecting on it this week and as I read it weeks ago, 
I'm grateful for this psalm because it reminds me that God's story is bigger. That even when things seem impossible and we feel like we are weighed down and we can't do anything extra, we're reminded that God has this amazing story that we are still a part of. That in fact, he might actually use the pain in our lives to be more of a blessing to people. That it might actually be more fruitful in other people's lives. That God can turn our brokenness into blessing. I'm interested to hear from you. What do you think of this? I mean, because I think a common thing is to think, things are going wrong in my life, I have to just, I can't do anything extra for our lives to shrink right down to our problem. But Psalm 2 reminds us that God's story is bigger, that even if things are difficult, we still have a part to play in in his bigger kingdom and his story.